we've already started. Oh, we've already started. Well, <laughs> good morning, good afternoon. <clears throat> Hello. Welcome to uh, the fourth installment of our podcast, Looking Through the Glass Onion, where my uh, partner here and I take a look at Beatles songs, uh, break them down, talk about them in, in ways that we think are unique. So I'm Billy McGuigan here with Jay. Hello, Jay Hansen. Hi, howdy, howdy ho. Jay picked this song. Um, this is off of Rubber Soul. Considered a folk rock song. Yeah. Uh, it's a great one. Great McCartney song. I'm looking through you. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Where did you go? The song did not <laughs> chart, so let's get that out of the way. Nope. Never really released as a single. Nope. Popular probably among Beatles people. Um, and if you're kind of a casual Beatles fan, maybe you've never heard this song, but it's one that you should uh, give a listen to. We're going to talk about the writing of this song. So this song is 100% written by Paul McCartney, by Indeed. all accounts. Indeed. Uh, the original version of the song did not have a bridge. The why, tell me why, did you not treat me right? Love has a nasty habit of disappearing overnight. overnight. That was an added line uh, when they were re-recording the song. So Paul wrote this. He had a very volatile relationship with an actress. Imagine that. <laughs> um, Jane should, Asher. <laughs> Jane Asher. And he's living in, in the, her parents' house. Yeah. They have a huge fight. She goes off to Bristol to do a play. And uh, Paul, Paul it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you look at how um, Paul wrote songs at this time. So previous to that, he's writing almost all love songs. Mm-hmm. He, wrote, he write, writes a couple good rockers. Um, he writes uh, I'm Down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but John is really starting to become a really fantastic songwriter at this time. Um, Paul, of course, has just recorded yesterday. It doesn't get much better than that. But, right. but John is writing these really introspective, interesting songs about his life at this time. Norwegian Wood. Um, In My Life. In My Life. I mean, he's writing just really great songs. And Paul really, for most of his songwriting career, doesn't get very personal. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the first times we see him get personal. Oh, and, yeah. and the research I'm, I'm doing about this, Paul says that he finds songwriting to be cathartic. And in this, he was really pissed at Jane. He writes this song, I'm looking through you, where did you go? How, you know, I thought I knew you, what did I know? Um, and he says after he writes it, that's it. Fight's over, he's not mad anymore. And we get this song. So what do you, what do you have on the songwriting end of, of this that's, that's tune? It, that's interesting, yeah. So, so it's, it's this. It's, it, he also has You Won't See Me, yes, uh, which is also to her. kind of a similar theme yeah. to her. And there's, and there's one other one uh, that's about relationships that he wrote that's on Rubber Soul. I don't know which one it is. Maybe yeah, I'm not Michelle. sure. Maybe Michelle. Michelle's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, so yeah, interesting, um, interesting about that. Um, yeah, he talks about like, I I think he says in his book, um, that what's it called? Oh, many years years. from now, many years from now. Ah. Like I don't hold grudges. Yeah. And, and so like, this was, like you said, the catharsis, that's interesting. That's how he worked through the uh, the issue he had, and and by writing the song. And for for me, it's it's easily what I consider a top ten obscure song for me. Nice. I, I much just, like I've got a feeling was for me. Yeah, yeah it's, it it yeah. needs that obscure. Yeah, obscure I, level. I yeah. have loved this song since since the first time I heard it. In nineteen eighty. What speaks What speaks to you about it? I just I love I love how it. 
I love how it, um, it like, like on the U.S. rubber sole version with yeah. the false, the false beginning. Stars, yeah, yeah. Um, I just <laughs> love everything about it. I think the this might be the best acoustic sound in the Beatles catalog to me. Wow. I think the acoustics just sound amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you should see his face light up when he talks <laughs> about that. By the way. Um, and then when, when the anthologies were released in 94, the, the first version, the slower maraca hand clap laden, really great version of the song. It's super cool. And, and it's probably, I alluded to this last week. It's probably my favorite alternate version of a song out there. Yeah, so if if you want to listen to that for reference, that's on uh, Anthology 2, Is it I two? believe. Okay, yeah, um, that sounds right. Might be the end of Anthology 1, hard to say. It It, um, it is, it's a really interesting, again, no bridge. He doesn't have right, that part, but like there's a, a solo. There's like a 12-bar bar blues solo in yeah. there. Yeah. It's really groovy. It is And cool. it's a little bit more laid back. Yeah. But for some reason, Paul didn't like that version. I, I, I get the feeling in listening to it, how it changes. So, right, right. Um, not sure why there's no, there's no really, they don't, he doesn't talk about why he doesn't like it, but it just, something didn't sit right with him. And they do at this time, which would be uh, kind of rare four, four or five, how many takes we're sliding into recording now that five takes to get this right or five recording sessions to get this right. I, I think there were three recording sessions three, because they, and, and we don't hear that I know of, we don't hear the second version because there's a second a version. A middle version. Yeah. Kind of a bridge between That's those sort two. of like a country western. Really? Yeah. Which I've never heard. I've I don't never know heard that's, that either. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so if you have that, send it to us. Info <laughs> at billymcguigan.com. We'd love to hear that. I've, yeah, I've never heard that. It's got to be out there somewhere. I would think so. Because they even talked about, and the, the anthology version, the kind of alt, the first take that forever that was the bootleg to have. And so when we talk about pre-anthology, there were two, the two most desirable songs that you could get your hands on and that was going amongst collectors was I'm Looking Through You, the first take, which uh-huh. never came out, and another one called Leave My Kitten Alone, which is from the Beatles for Sale sessions, oh, okay. which evidently is considered the best unreleased Beatles song until... The anthology releases it. Really? It's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So right. the anthology right. is full. If, again, what a great reference to have. Yeah. And people go, well, if the Beatles didn't put it out then, why? It, no, it, it is good. And oh, these it's... alternate versions are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the recording. So they go in, this is October of 65 is the first session, uh, 24th of October. And then they go the 6th, 10th through 11th of November in Abbey Road, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Martin producing. Yes. And this is sandwiched kind of in the first session they just do I'm looking through you, is that correct? Nothing else was recorded that day. Uh good question. Yeah, I think around <laughs> this time though, they're also recording Girl and yeah. Wait. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, great songs. But and those songs are coming and they're getting them really early on. Yeah. But we're starting to see glimmers of McCartney becoming the perfectionist that he ultimately comes with the Beatles and drives John and George absolutely crazy where they re-record this song a few times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the anthology, again, you see that happen with uh, Love Says That Your Love Is... Uh, that means a lot. That's another song that Paul, the Beatles just didn't like it, and they kept working and working. Luckily, this one's a better song than that. It and, is. And they recorded. it. I love That Means A Lot. I love that song. I do, too. I don't know why the Beatles <laughs> hated that one. <laughs> 
So it, um, so what are we, what are, what are they, what are they playing? So I know that we'll get to some of the interesting facts where there's a little, some uh, questions about who's playing what, but we've, we've got acoustics. Is this still the J one sixties being played? J one sixties probably. I think the, the, the nylon is certainly in play at this point. And I think, I think we hear that in the alternate version, the first version. Um, and so, um, and the 12 string would be possible, although I, I don't hear it in this. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the J160s. There's, there's mic'd, mic'd or plugged. They don't, definitely plugged mic'd. In. Definitely yeah, mic'd, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, there's a possibility that Paul's playing the acoustic right. in the intro. Right. Or John. John, yeah. Or both of them. Yeah, it's interesting because you don't, evidently the notes weren't great for the recording of this song because I've, I've heard that somebody said this is John Lennon's best acoustic playing of his Beatle career and you go, huh, it doesn't really sound like... It doesn't. It doesn't sound like John to me. It sounds like Paul's playing it, but... It does because there's, there's some passing sort of things that happen between chords yeah. um, that don't seem like they're up John's alley. They don't. It doesn't. I mean, and, and that's not to say that John, I mean, John is probably my favorite rhythm guitarist. Oh, time. indeed. Yeah. Not bagging on John. But Paul is very, very intricate. And you hear some of these, these like his little play on the D chord, which is like, we can work it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? Right. We right. don't know. Uh, interesting. Ringo playing organ. Right. Yeah. He plays the continental Vox on the yeah, it's such a cool sound, and it—I it, mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, yeah, it's a great little part, it, and it works so well. All right. he, he doesn't change when the chord changes. I just yeah. like I, I, I know these. Well, this is what these the hand goes. I know. Who can play this? I'll do it. <laughs> um, pretty cool tambourine part. Great tambourine part. <laughs> So again, there's definitely it's not random in Beatles songs. It's very planned out, especially on this record. You're right, especially on Rubber Soul. There's really great tambourine playing. So my question is, and this will fall into the interesting facts part as well. Maybe George is playing that. Possibly, yeah. I mean, because I've read that. I've read that Ringo played the tambourine, and so this morning when I was listening to it, I thought. That's a pretty solid tambourine part. That can't be George. Then I'm like, what am I saying? These guys were Beatles. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're as musical as you get. Yeah, that's right. So it it could totally be George. George or Ringo. Yeah, 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 I think so too. So um, Ringo, yep, on the the organ, Vox Continental probably. Yeah, that's what that's my research shows that. Paul, of course, on a, is he on a Hoffner or Rick on this? I think the, you know, I listened to it. It sounds like a Hoffner, but the Rick was available at this point. Yeah. And I think when he when he got that Rick, he fell in love with it in yeah. the studio. Like the rule was if I if he had to stand, he would play the Hoffner. If he could sit, he'd play the Rick. <laughs> I love that Jay Hansen knows this. <laughs> he might be making that up and it, and I'm but I'm sold. I'm really sold. You know, great bass playing in the song. As with, you know, starting in this period, Paul just becomes an exquisite bass player. But he does this nice descending line in the, I'm looking through you. I mean, it's just, it's really great. Yeah. He, he's so on top of his game. His bass playing. You, you hit it on the head. I, to me, his bass playing, he, he separates himself and becomes what. 
Yeah, we see where he'll. he'll kind of becomes up a on. virtuoso yeah. starting around this time. Yeah. I mean, who knows what that comes from? It comes from him being able to play his bass. He doesn't. He doesn't do that till Revolver. But he's he's starting to explore a little. You know, his musicality is taking over. Yeah, and they're playing live. They're touring constantly, and he's just really shining. Yeah, here. Um, yeah, he's great. It sounds good now. Talk me through this. Now, when I listen to it, there's a lot of mistakes in the song that you can hear, like in headphones. Uh-huh. The tambourine's a little inconsistent around the second, uh, second verse. There's a feedback that you hear on the acoustic at one point of the song. You have to really be listening. Uh, any, do you find it? Did you hear any of that? Yeah, there's yeah. a pretty bad edit there's it there and I, is. I, I can't yeah. think of where it is i think now. it's again in that second verse somewhere yeah there's like some mistakes that yeah are it, popping up and and those are the things that that sort of crack me up yeah. that but it's also like fun yeah. to hear you know i mean and it, and it goes back to you know mccartney said it several times about you know they would make a mistake in the in the studio George Martin wouldn't say anything about it, and they'd sort of <laughs> giggle about it, like, oh, I got that one past him, you know? And, and I think it's so, it's, it's so great, because you think about, you know, how perfectionistic we've become in recording. Right. I'm guilty of that as anybody. Yeah. Um, with, with the technology, and it's like, back then, it's like, yeah, all right. Did he catch that? What do you think, George? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I love that about it. I mean, I it, and it, you don't you don't get a lot of that with Beatles songs. You don't hear the mistakes blatantly, but you can hear some in here, which I th- I think is like, like Ringo messes up on the organ part at the in the outro. And yeah, it's like, yeah. You couldn't. Have, but they and what I was reading, they didn't go back and fix it because everything else was so good. Right. I think that's a lesson for everybody. Like if you're going into totally. the studio, allow some breathability. Yeah. Turn the click off once in a while and just see what happens. And you hear that in there. And I think that might be as Beatle fans, what we respond to with this song. And I I know for me, when I hear one where it feels like you're in the studio with them and they're, and they're not perfect. I dig that. Totally. You know, and I feel like they're opening this door to you. So great recorded song. It's like you said earlier, it sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Indeed. They're all playing really well, except for on the parts that they just left it in. Yeah. And who knows that might be just, yeah, Paul, we're, we're getting your song <laughs> with an eye roll. Anything else recording wise? Uh, want to talk about? so there, okay. So, um, and this may fall under interesting facts, mm-hmm. but so there's, there's a little bit of a, it's a slight controversy about whether, where these sound comes from. Yeah. To me, it's them doing this. Buddy Holly style. And you could maybe hear this, me doing it on my legs. Yeah. Um, there, there's somewhere out there, it's that Ringo was tapping on a box of matches with right. his fingers. That comes from uh, in 1966, their final tour. They had a group open for them called The Remains. Okay. And uh, the guy from The Remains documented really well this final tour. Oh, nice. He drew pictures of, I have a great book somewhere where he like drew pictures of the venues that they played and how many people were there, what songs they played, oh, wow. okay. what songs the Beatles played. And he and Ringo became friends. And he goes, I wouldn't try to ask him about Beatles songs or and he, he said, but I, he's like, I asked him about I'm looking through you because so, I couldn't figure it out. 
And Ringo said, told him, he claims that Ringo told him he was playing the Matchbox. Really? Okay. Yeah, and that's All how right. they got that sound. Now, could that be Ringo just going, listen, Germ, get away. I don't want to hear, I don't want to, who are the remains? Get out of here. Or is he really revealing the secret? I mean, I think that's where it comes from. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So See, I, I love that stuff. And yeah. it's so cool that there's so many of us that also do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. That's it. Yeah, this will go into, let's, let's talk about the interesting, because I've also heard that maybe George isn't playing at all on this song. I've heard that too. So, so um, Norman, Fi- Norman Fisher, Norman Smith, who's mm-hmm. the engineer up till Revolver when Jeff Emmerich steps in, um, has said that this, this is the, where he starts to see the fissure, if I'm using that yeah, word correctly, yeah. um, between John and Paul. Wow. And he also... This song, this recording session. The, the Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul. And um, so you alluded to Paul's perfectionism earlier. Harrison is starting to feel that from him. Yeah. And so there in Revolution in the Head, there's a it's proposed that on We Can Work It Out and this song, George doesn't play anything. Wow. Cause he's cause Paul is starting to get very he says that George's solo should be worked out beforehand rather than just <laughs> Which improvised. we covered in our last podcast, Indeed. by the way. Indeed. Yeah. Um, wow. That's so, it. And you know that's really interesting. That Yeah. Because we see that really, I mean, let it be, as we were talking about before, you see right. that that's where this row, as they call it, starts between Paul and George. You know, if you don't want me to play and let it, and hey, Jude, I won't. Right. You know, if you don't want me to solo, screw, you know, and Paul's yeah. like, dude, I'm the songwriter. And that was always kind of their rule. Right. The songwriter arranged the song. But I'm sure Paul was not easy to get along. I mean, he's the biggest songwriter in the world at the time with his partner, John. And right. who's George Harrison? a guy that he brought in the group. And George had to have felt that as the youngest. Oh, indeed, yeah. He had to feel inferior to both John and Paul because Paul is, you know, Paul is a really great musician, great lead guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can hear that on these songs. He's playing this great lick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and George has got to be going, well, yeah, I mean, I can do Carl Perkins. Right. I can do this. Right, Yeah. Yeah, so hmm. um you know, uh he he I would he may have played that electric guitar part that kind of mirrors Ringo's organ part. Mm-hmm. Um I I I do think it's George and I will and playing the guitar part. Playing the guitar part. And I and I say this because of this, there are wrong notes in there. Got and it. I don't think McCartney would have done that. No. Because um, it's, it's noodly again. Yeah. Um, which I love George as a guitar player. And he got amazing toward the end. But he did a lot of things that, eh. Yeah. This is know. our unique perspective, by the way. This is what we bring to you. <laughs> um, so there are, wrong, there are some wrong notes in there where he's sort of just, you know, kind of noodling through the verse, not in, not in that, dun, 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 not in that part, but just where he's just playing dun, wrong dun. notes. Yeah, dun, dun, the little, dun. The little yeah. stuff in there. Yeah. There's a couple wrong notes, so I don't think that's McCartney. I We're going to go with George. What, what, was George, what was George playing on that? What does the guitar sound like to you? The casino is available. Paul had the casino. John and, Paul, or, and George hadn't gotten casinos yet, but... There was a casino there. I think it's a Strat. Yeah. 
George favored the strat through this and and you really it's it's not a hard fast rule but you can kind of go album by album to which guitar George was favoring and the strat was definitely um I I think used more than any other electric on Rubber Soul. Yeah, well for the nerds out there, this is the time that uh Fender sent John and George Sonic Blue. I don't, I don't think Did that they, happened around this time. I well, Rubber the story Soul. I've heard is that they wanted Strats, sent Mal to go get some, and he got two matching blue, <laughs> two Sonic blue. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that they came. Yeah, from I Fender. guess I don't. I, I, I might have made that up too. Yeah, I don't know. So we hear we start to hear a Fender, Fender Strat on Beatles songs, which yeah. is yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Although really to me the only it's not you don't hear like a true strat sound except for maybe a song we'll cover later I want to tell you right. that's a strat that's very very strat song gets. yeah um, I mean nowhere man's probably a strat gotta be yeah we're going with it on that yeah we'll anyway, get to those I digress um, one of my, one of my favorite things about this song the I am Sam soundtrack which came out for the movie I am Sam having a ton of Beatles songs yeah. this for me was the best song on there it's such a great cover by the wallflowers one of my favorite covers of a Beatles song yeah because I'm not so a huge cool. fan of Beatle covers I like right. I like 10 there's about 10 of them that I like and most yeah. of them are Joe Cocker covers <laughs> but this one is if you get a chance to listen to that one it's a really great song they do it they do it really well it, it and, is and so ser- cool yeah give yeah. it great justice so. yeah I agree I, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I, I thought about that earlier I'm like that is uh that's it's a great cover. Yeah, it, it, it is, and you don't hear many great covers of Beatles songs, and this is a good one. Uh, live performance. So, this song uh, McCartney started to do again in his 2010 tour. Oh, nice! Okay. Which was great. And it was the first time because they never played it live. It didn't feel like it was a live worthy song because they were still touring at this time. Right. Uh, but McCartney brought it back. Doesn't do it all the time, uh, and he plays. Interestingly enough, he plays the acoustic guitar part. Does he? Okay. In all this right. one. Um, I'm going to go back to one more interesting fact before we rate this one. This is a song that when it was recorded, John, well, they, whoever played the intro, which I'm going to go with John because there's a mistake made. Oh yeah. They did the, but down, 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 but down, down. So they recorded it and on the master, it was left on. And so when they sent it to America and other places, they assumed when they were mastering it, that they would remove the mistake. So on the American release of Rubber Soul, which that's not, for me, that's not my release. I always do the British versions. Right, right. So I'd never really heard the false start one until we started playing it. And and the guy that was in the band at the time was, are you going to do the false start? And I'm like, no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) But they left it on. So this accident was accidentally left on the record. So in the American version, and maybe other versions as well, you hear this false start. And, and, that's and that's probably what you hear. See, I don't hear that, but that's what I because I, I mean, Rubber Soul was one of the first albums I bought. The American ever. Rubber Soul. American Rubber Soul. So it starts Before. with "I've just seen a face not drive my car." I don't. Is that the way it's around? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. There's, there's slight it, differences. The, yeah, the track order is different. Yeah. But so that's that's what I was used to the was false that start. false start. And interestingly enough, there are versions out there where there's actually two false starts. <laughs> so you down out, down out. <laughs> And then it starts. So, so I, my, my assumption is maybe 
you know, maybe they thought the first one was the screw up. <laughs> so let's they lop cut that, that off. one off. <laughs> and then kept the those rest. crazy Liverpudlians. <laughs> uh, so this is also the one of the very few songs, Beatles songs, that's an A flat. Which is a really interesting. So uh, my question for you is: Is it capoed one? Because when we play it live, I capo at one. I play the intro part, or do they tune down? My th- the capo kind of arrives around Rubber Soul. We yeah. see it in I think Girl, Norwegian Wood, Norwegian Wood, probably uh, Michelle. I think Paul is capoing yeah. and Michelle. Yeah, yeah. And the original, the the first version is in G. So my. Got it. The, my- yeah, Take the one slower, is in G. the slower. Yeah, so my thought is that he wrote it in G. They capoed up and played it with G. Yeah, capo one. Yeah, do it there. Yeah, G forms in in G sharp or A flat. That's major. great. Yeah, that's my thought. Um, We're going with that. There is a picture in a in a book where there's where Paul has a capo on his bass. <laughs> Um, it's not a Hoffner. common practice. Yeah, not a, not a. Um, but uh, and around this time period, it, it, yeah, it might have been. 66. He might have started doing it in, in the help stuff because it was it was on the Hoffner, not the Rick. But uh, <laughs> I, I've seen it, so I'm like, good for Paul. <laughs> so we don't play this one live very often. We probably played it five or six times, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I. I Maybe it's a tough one. It's it, it. This one for me is is advanced level to perform it live. First of all, the intro you have to get it right. McCartney's again vocals, really tough, really high. He's up there. Yeah, ain't not the same. Really high. One of my favorite just side note stories before we rate the song overall. I, I have a friend who um, was in the Peace Corps around this time. So he. Really interesting guy. He's the head of he was the head of international studies at UNO. Oh yeah, huge Beatles fan. He comes to our show all the time, and he this is his favorite song. Nice. He loves this song. Every time he comes to the show, we always request "I'm Looking Through You." Every time I hear it now, I think of him. And so I was out to lunch with him, and I asked, "I said, why do you like this song so much?" He said, "I was in in the '60s. He was in Afghanistan. Okay, and uh, so they would like go to the Middle East to vacation. <laughs> Again, it's the '60s, right?" And they were in Morocco, uh, Lebanon, Beirut, somewhere, somewhere in the in the Middle East. And it's '65, and they they get late '65. Is that when this came? When Rubber Soul came out, early '66, yeah. late. It's late '65. It's around that yeah. time. So Rubber Soul had come out. They couldn't get in Afghanistan, of course. Oh sure. Yeah. So this is the record his wife buys. He loves early rock and roll, loves the Beatles, but this is the new record. He said, then they go back to Afghanistan for a year, and this is the record they have. And he said, I listened to this so much that after that year, it was worn out. Wow. And he said, I would hear this song, and he said, it just takes me back to the Peace Corps, Afghanistan, and being in love with my wife. And uh, I, just, I thought I'd share that story because it made it. That's the beauty of our show. Yeah. People tell you these stories about why they love songs. And, and when I hear, I mean, every time we talk about this song or I, it comes up or I see the request, I go, oh, that's Tom. That's so awesome. There's my nod to him. Very cool. But it is advanced level to play live. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty difficult. Yeah. The, I mean, the acoustic, I'm good luck. I mean, I'm glad I don't play the yeah. acoustic part because it goes by really fast. <laughs> well, even, even the little electric thing, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're going to volunteer to play a part, the part to play is the organ part because Ringo's doing it. <laughs> now we come to our favorite part where we rate this song. Uh, we give it glass onions. 
One, of course, being not a second time. Five, being a day in the life. <laughs> so where does this one fall for you and, and why? Um, How many glass onions are you going to give it? This is, uh, this is a common um, rating for me so far, yeah. but I'm going three and a half. Three and a half. Um, it's, it's not their strongest effort, mm-hmm. but it does hold... Um, it does hold personal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when I, when I heard it. So there's a radio show that used to be syndicated. Um, yeah, I, I don't recall the name of it, but I heard it on Z92, played it back on Memorial Day weekend in 1981. <laughs> and me being a Beatle fan, because this was, this was less than a year after John Lennon was, was killed. And I was a Beatle fan before that. Oddly enough, John Lennon's death heightened that because there was so much public, you know, so much media about that. Yeah. And, and so um, I went from being a, a fan, as much of a fan as you could be at 13 with the limited access I had to their records to being very much a fanatic. And so I recorded as much as I could of this radio show <laughs> on tape, on tape, yeah. on the cassette off the, off, <laughs> off the airwaves from Z92. And, and it was, it was the radio show was from their beginning of their career as Beatles to their solo years. Wow. But the, the majority of what I got was around rubber soul, um, end of help. And so I heard some of these songs for the first time, you yeah. know, cause, cause obviously the big songs off, Drive my car. The, the hits I knew well, yep. but this was one I didn't know well, and I was like, "That is so cool." And then, so for me to hear the alternate version, I also was like, "God, that's so cool too." <laughs> uh, so it, it has. It takes me back to you know that, and when I when I really became a fanatic about these guys, um, but I'm still just going to give it a three and a half. Yeah, that's a solid rating. Yeah, for you. Yeah, uh, he's given every song we've done. <laughs> I, ga- I gave. You gave. Uh, I've got a feeling two, three, three. I gave it a three. That's what I'm giving this one. I'm giving. I'm nice. looking through three glass onions. Okay. I really do like the song. Yeah, uh, it's not my favorite Beatles song. Um, it's not my favorite Paul song. But there, there's and when I listen to it, the recording errors. That kind of I don't know. It's 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 one of those songs that I think that Paul probably gave up. Like I I still think it's a great song. Screw you guys. We're gonna release it. <laughs> um, but it's a good one. Yeah. And, and uh, it it plays. You know, to see him play it live is is pretty cool because I I always love the obscure ones. And like you said, this is a front runner of those obscure songs. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a solid three. Nice. Nice. But no more. <laughs> no more than that. So this is episode four of Looking Through the Glass Onion. I'm looking through you. Uh, Jay gives it a solid three and a half. I give it a very solid three. We're going to do our first George song next week. Excellent. We're going to do something. Oh. Maybe. I cannot wait. Maybe. Maybe the best song off of Abbey Road. And there's a lot of, lot of, lot of good ones. And as Frank Sinatra once said, <laughs> the best song Lennon McCartney ever wrote. Of course, written by George Harrison. But who's counting, Frankie? So until next time, looking forward to that one. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Till next week. Good night.